Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Modern Day Wizards. Today, I'm joined again by Jonathan Roseland of Limitless Mindset to talk about his book, which he sent me and I have read or rather listened to. And the title is Don't Stick Your Dick in a Blender, How to Meet a Nice Girl Instead from a Tantric Husband with a Better Sex Life Than Me. I mean you. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. You nailed it. You hit the you hit the title. I made it nice and long. Make it a couple yep. of compound grammatical functions going on there. Yeah, I think it's a great title, a uh, very memorable and funny. And it, it actually it says a lot about the book because the book, I think, was even beyond its usefulness as sort of like a dating manual in the modern age. It's it's really just an entertaining read and especially or a listen to and especially for someone who uh, is already familiar with your work and like listening to your podcast and, and your other content. It's kind of like a, you know, it's it's like getting exclusive content, you know. And, and really good, juicy, planned out, exclusive content. So uh, a very enjoyable book. And you obviously have uh, a lot of expertise in all of these areas. And that comes from, uh, you know, personal experience. I'd be interested to hear kind of what your, t- and also to, to let people know where you're coming from, where you got this knowledge. Like, what was your story from, you know, that young man who wants to get laid, but has no idea what the heck's going on to, you know, having gotten the Holy Grail, basically, at this point, right? I mean, you basically have a traditional wife and the plan is family. And, you know, I think any man in his right mind generally understands that that's, that's the ideal, not a life full of just being a player, but ultimately the end goal should be the static thing. So anyways, how did you get from, from one place to the other? Cool. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I think I'll start with jail. I... <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I went to jail long time ago, before, before I had ever even gotten laid. I uh, went to jail because of some, some unpaid parking tickets, and I was in there for three days, and in jail, there's not much to do, so you get to talking with the other inmates about how they ended up in there. That is the most common conversational theme that you have there uh, sitting, sitting at the tables in your pod, wearing your identical jumpers. And something I observed was that a lot of the guys in there, it was a result, it was a downstream result of them um, uh, sleeping with, living with, partying with, uh, dealing with, having children with really shoddy women, and their 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 bad de- their bad decisions about women about the women that they entangled with resulted in this cascade of things happening in their life that ended up with them, with their freedom totally gone, uh, sleeping in a cell on a hard bed. They leave the light on in there, in your cells. You have to sleep with the light on and sitting across from me there at the jailhouse table, eating yet another meal of 
barely identifiable jailhouse slop. And mm -hmm. so that was kind of a, that was a red pilling experience that I had as a quite young man that was, uh, it was almost worth going to, going to jail for that experience alone. Yeah, it sounds like a good life lesson. So basically that's one form that uh, having stuck your dick in a blender can manifest as, you know, being in trouble with the, the law. And so you became aware of at least that aspect of it. And I imagine, you know, even all of those different guys, they had many of the other different elements, you know, uh, children who they're not able to see or having to pay huge amounts of money. So obscene uh, amounts of money. Yeah, and I think it's pretty clear. Uh, I personally have managed to avoid that, but really just out of luck or someone's looking over my shoulder. But uh, I, I have lots of male friends who, uh, you know, it destroyed their life. And, and it, when, especially when children are involved, you know, it'll destroy your life to the point of you have almost lost your will to live. You know, when, if your children are taken from you and you're everything and you were you put all of your life into all of that supporting them anyways it could be just totally destructive so i think it's great you know people really should be taught this stuff early on and and the general they generally aren't so uh but anyways i don't, I don't want to skip over your your progression story sure so yeah like uh, many young men i uh I, I succumbed to my uh, impulses. I succumbed to the I succumbed to the culture, and I was a, a nightclub promoter for several years. And then I got sick of doing that, and I also got sick of living in Denver, Colorado. So I started traveling around Latin. America. And I became a pickup artist. I uh, would watch every single video that real social dynamics put out. And for me, I, uh, even in my most degenerate of phases, I saw uh, seduction and chasing women as a way of kind of, uh, as a way of kind of reclaiming the challenge that modernity has robbed uh, men and especially young men from. That, uh, if, that, that if, if you have a fairly healthy amount of testosterone flowing through your veins, you're going to have your, um, your ancestors um, whispering to you that there are virgin lands out there to be conquered. And so for, yeah, so for me, um, I always saw the, uh, the, pursuit of skirts as a, as a, as a personal development, mm. as a, as a personal development Avenue. So I, um, yeah, I lived in Latin America and I devoted myself to, uh, learning Spanish, to, uh, learning to dance. No puedo bailar. No, no bailo como cualquier gringo. <laughs> and um, and then to yeah to trying to seduce the women and um, it, it resulted in some fun experiences. It resulted in some uh, 
resulted in some resulted in some some drama. Um, and then after several years there, then I then I moved around Europe doing the digital nomad thing there and kind of doing the same thing. Uh, yeah, doing the same thing. And then it was about four four years ago I met my wife here in Sofia, Hi. Bulgaria. Five years ago. Five years ago. <laughs> uh, I, I I I met my wife, and I and in my experience, the yes, um, trying to cultivate myself as a seducer ended up being totally fruitful. It uh, resulted in uh, a really beautiful, really happy marriage that I have at this point. So there's certainly some things that I do regret. If someone says they have no regrets in life, then they either have no conscious conscience or they have uh, a total lack of wisdom. So I certainly have, I certainly have some, some regrets, but in my case, um, using the using that most basal of male drives that desire for the female form and using using all of that thrust that we have behind us as men towards that um and channeling that uh through kind of a personal development lens that ended up being very fruitful for me and and now i'm a happily retired um player <laughs> Um, although I, I endeavor on a daily basis to, um, romance my wife in, uh, with, with the same dedication, I would, I would say with greater dedication than, mm. um, than I, than I ever had before. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, so I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent at this point about the uh, pick artist seduction movement, uh, whatever you want to call it. There's a ton of pitfalls. There's uh, there's it's, it's a minefield out there um, mm -hmm. gents, but it can result in something really beautiful. Yeah. I think that's what you said about it being the driving force of self-improvement. I mean, it's really the, most powerful because it's it is the original driving force for self-improvement and if you're going to attract someone who's quality then therefore you must be quality and that means quality on all levels so it, it doesn't just mean mentally it means physically spiritually all aspects of yourself so if your goal is to meet a woman who you feel like you deserve then you need to be you need to deserve it and so it's a it's a great motivator and when for me personally I didn't come out. I didn't come to a place where I felt like, um, you know, dating women was easy and natural until I, you know, really got into biohacking and all these things and became really capable, you know, as having nothing to do with really women. And then, you know, it just became easy at that point. So it, for, for me, it's like if someone were going to ask me, what should I do if I want to, you know, be good at dating women? I'd just be like, well, how do you feel like do you feel really good? Do you feel really happy? Or do people want to be around you all the time? And if the answer is no, well, you got to start, you got to start there. But also, you know, having the stick in front of you of like, well, but the ultimate goal, which I think deep down, all of us men have, even whether we admit it to ourselves or not, is, you know, to find that woman who, you know, is worth it all. 
So I, I think it's, it's so great, Jonathan, that you, you manifested that in your life. And I would guess that you wouldn't take any of it back, you know, it would, you know, regrets aside, you know, I mean, even with all the things that you regret, you would still, because it led you to where you are, where you're in the relationship you're in. I mean, would you take it back? Oh, yeah. If I could get back into the uh, DeLorean and uh, mm-hmm. pull up in front of Arapahoe County Jailhouse as I was uh, <laughs> as I was being re- released, um, the advice that I would give to my younger self would be to to raise your standards because the Therese raised my standards with uh, the women that I entangled myself with because the I would say both the mainstream culture and kind of the uh, pickup artist culture, you could say kind of like the red pill guy culture, tells men something really stupid and destructive, which is that you should try to seduce any woman that arouses you. In fact, they call it the boner test. They say, they say that they say, don't necessarily get in a relationship with her, but any woman that can elicit and that arouses you, that passes the, the boner test, any woman that does that is worth trying to seduce. <laughs> and I, I, I'll admit, I ran, with, I ran with that advice. And so, yeah, so when I, I, I don't think, I don't, sp- I, I spend almost next to no time in my life um, going down memory lane of thinking about the uh, women of my past. But when I do, I think, you know what, there was a lot of, there was, there was maybe not a lot, but there was definitely a few in there that I could have passed on, that I could have walked away from. And then I would have had uh, the time and resources to, to be with better women. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I do, I do got some, I do got some regrets from some of the uh, mainstream and countercultural uh, messaging that misled me. Mm-hmm. So the standards thing, I think it's really important. And any, when you're young and you're someone who's kind of desperate and, and you don't have any skill or confidence, then the boner test makes more sense. But yeah, ultimately, you know, if you, if you want something, you got to be going for that thing that you actually want. And, and it's really got to be far beyond sex so but in my experience and i feel like i was able to land you know uh some high quality women in comparison to what's standard these days in terms of virtuousness and their general wisdom and mindset about the world and still these women that i ended up with they they were heavily influenced by basically what I would call communist. Um, it's just completely life-destructive ideas, non, non-human ideas, you know, about equality of the sexes. And of course, I don't mean like in terms of rights, but I mean in terms of what they're like, you know, in general. But anyways, I found it impossible to find, even among the best, someone who would be at my actual standards. So what do you recommend in a situation where you got to work with what you got and maybe it can be improved or what do you think? Okay. I, so yeah, the ideal is that you find a woman 
that is uh, ideologically, uh, perhaps politically on the same page as you, and then you have a whole lot less to disagree on. If you cannot find that, and it can be challenging, especially if someone's listening in from, I don't know, LA, if you cannot find that, then then you want to go the oxytocin route, okay? Then mm-hmm. if, if you want to change a woman's, uh, if, if, if you want a woman to get more on your page, you should aim to give her more oxytocin than she's had with anyone else in her life. And her, once you can, if you can give her that and give that to her with some consistency, her mindset and her, her values are going to become surprisingly permeable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she'll kind of want to adapt herself to you know, whatever is providing her with this. And, and honestly, it's not really too difficult to get to a point where you have the skill or know-how to be able to do that. Basically, every woman, woman I've been with, you know, it's always generally like, wow, this was way, way better than I've ever had. And I'm not trying to be gloating I'm, I'm, or uh, bragging. What I'm trying to say is most men suck at, at sex. And so it's, it's generally not hard to do better than the other men that she's met in, in her life. Would you say, is that true in your experience? Yes. And to clarify if any of the use or any of the, for the listeners by, by oxytocin. Yeah. Is I'm saying that you need to deliver her consistently powerful orgasms, better orgasms than she's had uh, with anyone, with anyone else. Mm-hmm. And that, and that, flood of oxytocin that is going to bond her to you, that's going to um, likely, not guaranteed, not guaranteed, but likely that's going to give you the authority in her life that she would maybe say, you know, hey, maybe I'm going to listen to you more than uh, some nonsense that I learned from pink haired college professor 10 years ago. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that actually rings true. I was dating. Uh, she was she taught in a school, right? So she'd gone through all that. I mean, school teachers are among the worst. They receive the most of that indoctrination. But and they're hanging around with those people all day long. And still, I found I was able to kind of slowly pull her away from that. But but that in that specific instance, I was not completely successful. But so for a man who's like, okay, well, I, th- where, where did I you meet know- her? Where did I met her online? I'm, it was an online dating situation. Ah, uh, okay, okay. We need to talk about online dating. We, we will, we will. <laughs> but I don't want to skip over this part because I think it's important. So, how does a guy? Well, maybe we should save her later. I do want to talk about Tandra, but first of all, how how does a guy become? You know, it's not hard, but where does someone start putting their attention to become a guy who is going to be able to give a woman more orgasms than she's ever had? Okay, I would say it starts with quitting porn. I Sounds like a good start. Yeah, there was a, a a young guy. A young guy read read my book, and he he emailed me a bunch. We we talked quite a bit, and he was a, a virgin, actually, 
when he read my book and I got a message from him just the other week that he is no longer a virgin. Nice. But yeah, I talked with him and I was like, okay, basically the first step is I want you to do 30 days of no fat. And then, you know, just set, set yourself like a, a, an accomplishable, realistic initial first goal. And he was like, oh, I can do more than 30 days. I've done 30 days before. And I was like, okay, okay, try, try, to, do, try to do like 60 or 90. Try to go for 60, 60 or 90. And then you are going to need to practice this series of uh, techniques so that you can strengthen your uh, PC muscle. That is the uh, muscle that wraps around our, our, our genitals. And I want you to practice these different, these different kinds of breathing techniques and these sorts of, uh, these sorts of things. And I guess, well, for him, you know, he was just trying to lose his virginity. He wasn't, but I, but I was like, let's, let's, you know, get a whole holistic set of lifestyle things that you have going on that are, uh, cultivating you that are sculpting you into, uh, a powerful, uh, a powerful lover. And uh, that was uh, ended up being very, very fruitful for him. I think he might have a girlfriend now. Nice. So, so you think, I mean, that's going to basically make you someone who has a large amount of sexual energy sustaining you and driving you and also make it so you can last longer in a sexual situation. Do you feel like that's enough or that someone needs to have some sort of like know some actual knowledge about how women work? Yeah, I don't think there's a substitute for experience in mm. this in this area. Um, but I would I, 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 I would probably suggest trying to trying to uh, find a woman who is maybe not so experienced. Like find someone that you don't have really. Um, that that you, you don't feel a huge need to like really uh, really impress her like somebody who's gonna like stick with you stick with you mm-hmm. for at least kind of like the medium term and someone that you can really pay a lot of attention to while mm-hmm. while making while making love um, when I'm making love to my wife and ensuring that her. Uh, oxytocin levels are stratospheric. I uh-huh. am, I, I am so focused on that. I have nothing else. I have nothing else in my mind other than, um, noting the, uh, subtleties of what her body is doing. So the, so yeah, focusing on the moment, focusing on her, what you're, what you're doing to her body, focusing on the rhythm, um, that is really important. And so that's why I'm a really big fan of uh, doing meditation of the whole spectrum of mindfulness activities that will allow you to do that and allow you to not be so nervous or concerned about like, oh, am I impressing her right now? Am I doing something not quite right? Um, yeah, I think uh, the the focus and being in the moment, that's uh, really important, which is, I think, something that any woman would tell you as well. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of the ultimate. It's easy not to be distracted when that's the, the state of being at the moment, because really that's like the ultimate goal state of being. And so when you're there, it's just like you can put all of your attention to it. So I, I think uh, really good advice about uh, no fap, you know, especially no porn and, um, you know, working on the physical strength, the capabilities of your own body. And then just, you know, getting experience under your belt is, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great uh, three-pronged approach. And there's also the Tantra, which fits right in there, which I, maybe is too advanced. I don't know if we should go into that. I think it's probably better if we go into how to meet women and all that type of stuff. And, but you do, you do have a, uh, I think you have like a secret society or like a private organization or something dedicated to educating dudes about Tantra and stuff like that. Is that right? Something like that, but it's secret, so we can't talk about it now. Oh, oh, I get Okay, all right, cool. So let's talk about let's talk about how to meet women. So you talk about, and you kind of focused on the whole day game, night game type thing, and it sounds like you put a lot of time into that. And uh, that was something that I never really focused on, but I was one of the guys who had good success in online dating. And so it was really convenient. It's just like, well, I can really pick and choose and get very specific things. And then when I go and meet the woman, it's, it's so easy. You know, if you just eye contact and ask good questions and be generally interested in what's going on. And, you know, I mean, I had women begging to kiss me at the end of a date, not me, them begging, right? So it's just like, for me, well, you and me kind of had two different tracks. Like to me, when I look at the day game, I was just like, that seems like a giant waste of time. But you describe online dating as a giant waste of time. So I'm curious what your thoughts on that are. Yeah. So I did a chapter, a very thoroughly researched chapter. I, sp I spent like months tracking down all these, all the, all the footnotes and sources on that. And I am not a fan of online dating. And I think uh, almost every man has, uh, almost every single man has a bunch of stories of how awful online dating is, how the, how the women are flaky, how the, uh, how, the, how the relationships don't seem to have much uh, longevity to them. Um, there's a multitude, there's just a multitude of uh, scams and time wasters there with online dating. And again, we, the whole, the major theme here is, of course, that we want for seduction to be a pathway to personal growth. And I, I just don't see any potential for personal growth in online dating. I think that the, uh, yeah, the potential for like doing something that really excites you, doing something that challenge that challenges you, I think that is in going out there into the big crazy world and uh, meeting women. And actually, I'll quote from my chapter on online dating. I'll give I'll give you I'll give the the listeners a scary statistic on online dating and this comes out of the online dating industry report by Statistica Brain and other research. Okay, so get this. So a third of women meeting guys online have had sex on the first date with an online 
match, which is great news if you just want to get laid, but awful news if you want to meet a girl who isn't a slut. I think we can all agree first date sex is pretty slutty. And that's a third of women online dating. And it gets worse. Of those women, four out of five did not use protection. That's right. On the The first date? On the first date. Yeah. The majority of them are, so yeah, so get this, a four out of five, out of a, out of a third. Okay. So one, one out of three of uh, those women online dating who have like been on the, I, I guess there's probably uh, women doing online dating who have not been on the date that they just like join the websites, create a profile, chat a little bit, and then they don't actually go on a date. But of the ones that are somewhat active, a third of them, and then the majority of that third, four out of five, did not use protection. The majority of them are just letting random guys off the internet raw dog them on the first date. If anyone ever calls me a misogynist for calling women blenders, this is the statistic that I point them to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think another important thing worth mentioning is someone who's on those websites is you know they're getting all the types of dopamine hits from all the attention that they're getting from guys which is really at an unnatural level and so even if they do come out of that into a normal relationship there's gonna if anything starts to kind of feel not good in the relationship they're they're gonna have a temptation to go back to that dopamine hit a little bit like smoking so i actually would agree with you i think I, i probably got again i got i was very fortunate to not ever stick my dick in a blender in, in the worst ways possible. Of course, in minor ways, yes. Uh, but also that I wasn't burned by online dating. And I think like if I were going to do it again, the thing that I feel pulled most to in, in your advice is, which I did try once. So like I went to London and I went to a uh, dancing class and I didn't know how to dance. And, but it didn't matter because it was like four to one women, right? Four, four women to every one man. And, you know, I was just meeting woman after woman. Like every five minutes, I was meeting a woman. And every single one of these women, obviously, just the fact that I was at a dance class and I was dancing with them and having fun, you know, they, they obviously wanted to, to, like, go out on a date afterwards, right? That they were, they were charmed by just the fact that I was there. So if I was going to do it again, that's where I would be focusing on, on something physical. What do you recommend currently, especially in the current world where, you know, people are kind of paranoid of things, you know, viruses and, and such. And uh, anyways, what would you, what do you think is the best strategy for someone who's going to say, well, I'm not, I'm going to skip online dating. I'm going to go out and I'm going to start meeting women. Sure. So my young friend that I've mentioned, he was meeting Ladies at a uh, country, country dancing, like country western dancing. Yeah, yeah. I think he was in uh, a state uh, of the United States where things weren't weren't quite so locked down. Country Mm -hmm. dancing clubs were open. So, uh, yeah, kind of depends a little bit on where people are are at. If 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 you're someplace where like. Uh, like I'm, uh, I wouldn't be allowed into 
then you like that because I'm not vaccinated. We have a green pass going on this uh, this winter here. So so if someone was in a and if, I, I don't have <laughs> I don't have much interest in, in going to a place like that, of course, because of uh, what I have at home. But if someone was in a similar situation to me where things were kind of locked down, then then there's day game. Uh, yeah, like day game is going to be is going to be an option in like almost the most locked down of places around the world. So not everyone knows what you and I know because we've we've watched videos. But what does day game mean? So it means approaching women in public during the daytime, typically. And it differs from what people call a night game, which is doing it at uh, bars, clubs, parties. It differs from that in that you most typically make a direct approach. Uh, You make a statement of intent at the offset of the interaction. So you uh, walk up to a woman, it could be on the street, it could be in a cafe, it could be in a mall, it could be in a, could be in Walmart. Actually, this, this young guy, this, this young guy, he's, he has balls of steel. Um, (laughs) And he was, uh, yeah, he was in, he was in like a, somewhere in Idaho where there wasn't much day game opportunity. So he would do it at his local, he would do it at his local target. And he'd, he'd text me and be like, oh, I did two approaches at the, at the target, <laughs> picking up, picking up my, so what, is, picking... what would a standard, give an example. Like I walk, I go, see a girl, she's cute. I'm going to go day game. What's the first thing? What's the first yeah. thing you say? Okay. Okay. So there's a formula for this that works, uh, that, that, that is the best produces the best results. So we just kind of follow it is you, um, if she's walking down the street, then you walk around, then you walk around her. In fact, I have a video of this. I'm going to, I have a, I made a video of me day gaming my wife on the streets of Sophia here. So maybe we can include that. I'll send that, I'll send that to you, but you, you, you walk around her, you give her a friendly wave and a smile. And then you say, Hey, sorry, I want to say something to you really quickly. I just saw you walk by and I thought you looked very cute or I thought I thought you looked beautiful and I just had to come over and say hi to you really quickly. And then you make some sort of a contextual comment like you say these shoes that you're wearing make it look like you're an attorney that's about to go into a uh, meeting to sue a fortune 500 company um so you make a you uh time box time box the interaction say i want to say something to you really quickly sorry i want to say something to you i got to say something to you really quickly kaylin um you're <laughs> be, you're you're your beanie looks like you are prepared to climb a small mountain. <laughs> and I, I just had to, I just had to come over there and say, that. so you, so you make uh so it's uh, you make a statement of intent and then uh, you make an observation. So the, so the practice for this, the practice for this is when people, when guys are out there doing their grocery shopping or whatever, when they see women, and maybe not even women that they'd want to approach, but they see women and they uh, note their attire 
and they come up with, you need to come up with some witty little uh, observation that you could make about someone's, about someone's attire. And then, and that shows a little bit of, little bit of social intelligence. You're showing a little bit of social intelligence by saying, Hey, I just have something to say to you really quickly, really quickly. I'm not going to keep you. I'm not going to keep you all day. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you make a observation. And then if she's uh, a little bit interested, then she'll typically, she'll typically laugh a little bit about that. And you've made the statement of intent. So she knows why you're talking to her. And mm-hmm. if she's if she's totally disinterested in that, if she's married, got a boyfriend, uh, a lesbian, I don't know, then she's just going to say, OK, well, have a nice day. Have a nice day. Yeah. Um, and then she'll go on her way. But a lot of times, a lot of times she'll stay there and be up to just chit chat with you a little bit on the street. And then with the day game interactions, they are typically very short interactions. It's like uh, five minutes is pretty good. 10 minutes is, is awesome. And then you just, uh, yeah, collect uh, her contact details and then follow up. So I think it's, I think it, if you're a person who values your time, if you're like, I only got so much time to devote to this dating thing, it's a pretty, it's, 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 a, it, I, I think I find it more efficient than doing, than doing, than doing night game. Cause with night game, you have to spend hours and hours and hours and hours in a venue. And if you, if, if you're hoping to um, hook up with someone to sleep with someone the same night, you, you meet them, uh, which I don't recommend, but I know that's what a lot of guys are after th- that will often involve staying out to like, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., uh, later even sometimes. Um, whereas the, yeah, the day game is you is is like a it's like a five, 10 minute interaction. So I think from yeah, if you value your time, I think it's a huge win-win. And it's free. You don't have to consume alcohol to do it. And you can do it even if you've got crazy lockdowns preventing you from going to venues. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you're selecting for a certain type of women. At least you're selecting for them when, you're, when you go to a nightclub, right? That's kind of selecting for people who are looking for a specific situation. And if what you're looking for is a, ultimately a long-term relationship, it seems like your chances are going to be better just going up to a woman who you think is attractive, you know, maybe even in a place that you would frequently go, you're increasing your odds of compatibility there. So what, what would you say is a, because people fail at this and, and people get discouraged when they fail. Um, and so I think it's good for people to understand, you know, fail rate is not, it's not even, it's not low for even people who are really good at this. So what, what should someone expect to be, you know, if they're, if they're doing a decent job, how often are they going to get the numbers? Okay, mm, maybe five, ten percent of the time. Yeah. That's most guys would be like they would think that was really low, and they would go out there and they would try one or two times, and they would fail as they're almost surely going to do with those with the, that percentage of success chance, and they're never going to try again. So basically, it seems like you know you you, you got to kind of expect failure. Yeah, you got to go in with realistic expectations. And if you can find a wingman to do day game 
with your it'll be dramatically more fun your wingman will help you to push past the approach anxiety your wingman should give you a bit of uh, feedback on what you're doing so that that makes a big difference if you can if you can find a wingman but it can be yeah you can do it alone there is a lot of guys that do it alone my my friend there in target he wasn't i don't think he ever brought a wingman to target because his wingman was the avocados (laughs) nice so yeah uh for me the wingman thing doesn't make any like i would feel totally awkward going with a guy i don't i don't know is it is it really what is the, what is the benefit of a wingman? Like, I, I really have a hard time understanding that. I feel like it would just get in my way. Okay. The benefit of a wingman is uh, manifold. So first of all, the major challenge is approach anxiety. And when you're, when you go with a wingman, you have, you know, uh, an additional social expectation upon you. And so, yeah, just Mm. having the other person there with you, that's going to help push you past your accountable. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. That, that helps that, that makes a difference because yeah, that approach anxiety can be, can be crippling. You get, you get all excited. You hear about this and you say, wow, that sounds like something worth trying, but um, the, yeah, especially if you're new, that approach anxiety can be, could be a problem. Uh, that's why guys should be doing cold showers and fasting so that they can teach their, um, their nervous system, you know, a little bit more discernment, but, um, yeah, the wingman is going to push you past the approach anxiety. The, uh, the wingman is going to, you and him are going to banter together. The, the important thing with a wingman is that you just have fun together and you get into a social, uh, vibe going on with each other. And then you've got that good vibe when you're talking to a lady in front of Starbucks. Um, and then the wingman, if you have a good wingman, what he can do is he can critique you a little bit. He can say, okay, I watched you and you could have done this a little bit better. You were, you were fidgeting a little bit too much. And then also with a wingman, you'll uh, come across a two set. You'll come across two women, three women. You'll come across these these groups. And if you've got, if you spy a young lady in a group and you're like, okay, she's the one I want to talk to her and not so much her friend. Once you approach, yeah, you get in this kind of awkward situation where you're, yeah, you're having an interaction with the group instead of the one that you're actually interested in. And mm-hmm. so I, uh, there in the mean streets of Medellin, Colombia, I developed a, uh, I developed a, a silent signal where <laughs> one of us, one of us would go and approach a group and we'd kind of, uh, you know, like two or three and we'd get kind of a vibe on the group. And if they were relatively receptive and I wanted the wing to come in, then I would, I would subtly cross my legs. I would subtly cross my legs. And then that would be my sign to my wing that I needed a backup on this one. But, you know, sometimes like sometimes an additional man is not not what you need. So, yeah. So uh, if you can uh, get wingmen, it makes all the difference. Okay. so so once you're once you've kind of gotten all of that and you're you know, you're dating a woman, you've gone on a few dates, maybe you've slept together a few times. You're starting to think 
longer term here. Like, is this a person that I'm, I'm that could, it could work out for marriage and kids or, or is this really just some fun that I'm having and therefore maybe I'm wasting my time a little bit. So how does someone distinguish between those two situations? Okay. Well, yeah, that's kind of challenging. In my book, I list, I think it's uh, 21 different things that I define as a virtuous women, woman, different, uh, different, different factors. And I name uh, several times in the book, I name several conspicuous red flags that are like, that are like kind of like deal breakers, that if these are present, then like this, these are not the droids you're looking for, or this is not, uh-huh. wait a minute, that's a terrible, terrible metaphor to use. With <laughs> never mind, never mind. We can edit that one out. We can, we can oh. edit that, that one out. Okay, so there's some red flags, which is uh, being a single mother. That's, that's no-go, no-go territory. Keep, okay. your, keep your dicks zipped up around them, fellas. Um, and then there is um, women who are, uh, like if they're abusing, if they're abusing drugs, if they're, if, they, if they're using drugs, maybe if they smoke a little bit of marijuana every once in a while, that is something that could be overlooked. But if they're using drugs with any kind of consistency, then that's one of the major red flags. And then if they are abusing, um, if they're uh, like abusing a lot of alcohol, then that's a big problem. So yeah, so like those, those sorts of things are, um, are I think, un- unacceptable. Those are signs yeah. to move on. The, the, the single mother isn't necessarily 100% proof that it's a bad situation, but it is an indication that something failed there in a way that you don't want it to fail. And so it's just like, well, it just adds too much risk to the situation. And, and of course, then there's the whole element of, you know, you're kind of becoming the father to someone else's kid, which is, of course, a, a sticky situation. And then the uh, the substance abuse, it seems like it's just like it, it seems to indicate some sort of mental frailty or, 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 you know, lack of. I don't know, health, really, when it comes down to it, you know, if they're, if they're depending on these things all the time, you know, for me, especially alcohol, alcohol is a really bad sign. Yeah, yep. So you talk about something called friend okay, control. Actually, actually, let me, I just pulled up this section from my book. So let's, let's, uh, okay. let's go, let's, let's go, let's go over here. Okay. So I say, of course, her number, which is the number of previous sexual partners she, she's mm. had, shouldn't be the sole factor in deciding to marry her. I'm sure that there are marriageable women out there that accrued seven or eight partners, but have since reformed a bit in their hoish ways. This is from the chapter where I recommend that uh, men do not marry or get in uh, serious long-term relationships with women that have over three previous sexual partners. Um, but I'm saying that that's not the only that's not the only factor. But the um, the data on uh, marriage and divorce uh, indicates that like going over three sexual partners um, is like that's like really a minefield. That's really taking a risk. But these are some these are some questions that people can that people can ask to see if this is someone worth like that may be like life partner type 
material. Okay, does she apply discipline in her personal life? Does she wake up at 7 a.m. every morning to go jogging? Does she go to the gym and abstain from vice or bad habits? Does she go to church? Unsurprisingly, women who attend church are less likely to divorce you. I draw a distinction between genuinely religious women and quote-unquote spiritual women. Organized religion and church attendance imbue some concrete morality, humility, self-control, and fear of the metaphysical consequences of sin, whereas a lot of Eastern and New Age spiritual dalliances are merely dressed up navel-gazing. Is she materialistic? Does she waste your or her money on trivial things? Does she value self-knowledge? Does she do journaling? Has she gone through talk therapy? Does she have long talks with her close friends about the meaningful things in life? Does she treat random people kindly, even when it's inconvenient or of no advantage to her? Is she nice to waiters and shop clerks? Does she think for herself instead of just mindlessly accepting the mainstream pop culture values? Does she read deep books? Does she adopt your values? Does she make sacrifices for you? Like the way my wife gave up smoking after I talked to her about it. Does she go out of her way to serve you? Does she do you little favors? And of course, the absence of the major red flags. Does she smoke cigarettes, drink excessively, abuse drugs, or is she a single mother? So yeah, those are some of the things that, those are some of the things that the gents can ask if they're like, I don't know, uh, you know, three months into a relationship and they're questioning if this is um, someone to, uh, you know, think about being with in 10 years. Nice. So I want to talk a little bit about the, the idea of equality within a, in a relationship. And I think you and I kind of both agree that men and women play different roles. And you did a video, I think it was called frame control. Is that, am I remembering what you called this? Yeah, basically? that was, that was the video I made uh, when I was on vacation this summer. Okay. So People can go and check out the that, beautiful uh, Black Sea in that video. We'll link it below. So it's basically setting the kind of like the tuning or like here's the rule set for our relationship really early on, right? And so what what was the what was the dynamic that you were trying to set as the expected pattern in that video? Yeah. So it's important. Um, early on in the relationship as the man, as the man, it's important to be a bit stubborn and to be a bit arbitrary about different, different things. Cause the, this is the, the fatal mistake that a lot of men make is they start a new relationship and they're, you know, having a bunch of sex, they're, uh, they're intoxicated by the oxytocin, you know, men, men, we oxytocin influences us too. And they're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take things easy. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be chill. We're gonna be, we're gonna be libertarian about this. We're gonna be like laissez, laissez faire about all this. And then the relationship gets a bit more serious. Maybe they, maybe they get married and then like once they're married or once they're like living together, when they got bills together, they got a dog together. Um, then at that point, they're like, you know what? Uh, I, 
we need to impose, I need to impose a little bit of a masculine order on what's going on in this relationship. And mm -hmm. it's just, a, it's just a joke. It's just, it's, it's just a joke at that point. Like maybe some women, maybe some women will be like, oh, okay, we're, you know, uh, now we're going to eat healthy. Um, but if, if, if you don't like set, uh, set up that frame control dynamic early on in the relationship, if you're just being like laissez-faire about things, then, um, yeah, you're setting yourself up for, you're setting for yourself up for failure. So I do recommend that men be, be arbitrary, be arbitrary about things, um, early on in the relationship and actually later later in the relationship you can be a little bit you, you can be a little bit more laissez-faire libertarian you know you can be somewhat democratic in the relationship um you can do compromise in the relationship you know i'm i'm married and so we we do compromise all the time and it's it, it's worked out good i i trying to think of a time that we compromised on something and i regret it and I don't think I can come up with, I don't think I can come up with anything. Um, but in the, yeah, in the beginning, it's important to be like, to be like a bit, a bit stubborn, like be like, okay, I want you to wear this when we <laughs> go out to this place and mm -hmm. um, we're, no, we're not going to go to that restaurant. I don't like that restaurant. Um, mm -hmm. These, these sorts of, these sorts of like, like start setting rules early on. And if, and, and this is awesome because this gives her the opportunity to opt out of the relationship if that's not something that she's that she's ever gonna mm -hmm. go along that she's ever gonna go along with. But if you've got <clears throat> if you've got a woman who has good yin energy that she's uh, that she's unashamedly feminine that she's uh, that she's classically feminine that she's not hopelessly hopelessly brainwashed. Um, she is going to be, she's going to be receptive to that uh, early imposition. Um, but I will say the, the big caveat, the big caveat on this, my, my take on relationships is, and I think what me and my wife both believe, is that um, woman submits to man, but man submits to reason. Okay? Because mm -hmm. we're just, just because of the, because of complicated evolutionary reasons. Um, we're a bit better at the reason and the logic. Um, but a lot of men, a lot of men are not embracing that. Uh, a lot of men are, they've, they've let their brain be wrought by uh, computer games, porn, GMO foods, and they are um, impulsive, emotional themselves. So it's, yeah. So it's, it's, if you're going to be um, stubborn and imposing uh, what you see as masculine order in your relationship, especially if you're do doing it early on, which I do recommend, it's, it's doubly important that you're like reading philosophical books, like go, go and read like a book about like a mitochondrial metabolism, like spend a lot of time cultivating yourself in that, in that logical reason domain. And then I, I think you kind of have, I, I think you kind of have a right and a duty at that point to, you know, to impose that on a woman who's receptive. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you know, we I went through, and many men have gone through this phase, you know, we brought up in normal education, we're kind of taught that that those differences between men and women aren't, aren't real, they're arbitrary, or they're, you know, they're kind of culturally set there by the patriarchy to the patriarchy's advantage. And, you know, you eventually realize, well, that's not true. Actually, these are, this is a healthy dynamic. This is what men want. And this is what women want, if they're being honest with themselves in most cases. So it's one of these things that you kind of wake up to. And I feel like another one that I woke up to the hard way, and it sounds like you woke up to the hard way, is, um, you know, there's this idea that when you're in your relationship with uh, a woman, and, and, you know, it's the point of marriage where you're engaged, or it's really serious, that you share all of your feelings with them, no matter what they are, right? So in my experience, that has turned out catastrophically, even though they will tell me that that's what they want. And it sounds like you've had a similar experience. Is that right? Oh, Okay, in the book, I reference a story of this guy I knew, a European guy that actually he was, he was like a biohacker. He was, he was kind of a cool guy. He was kind of a cool guy into some of the same stuff as me. And he started dating this woman here and uh, she got pregnant and... <clears throat> Okay. And so they had a daughter. Um, and I think they're still together. I think they're still together. I think they might've actually gotten, gotten married. So everything, everything worked out, uh, worked out good, pretty good for them. But a little bit after the birth of his daughter, he told his girlfriend, he said, you know, when, and, and how did this work out? Okay. He was younger than her. Actually, he was quite a bit younger than her. And he, he told her, you know, I, when you got pregnant, when you got pregnant, I, I, I really thought about, I have to admit to you, I really thought about just leaving. I, I really thought, I thought, you know, am I ready for this? Am I, am I really ready for, do I want to settle down? Like, is, is this the country for me? Is this, is this the life for me? I, I thought about it for a couple of weeks. I thought about just you know, letting, letting you, letting you have what you want with, with this child and, and me going back to, you know, my country. And I would have, I would have been supportive and everything, but I, I really thought about if this was really, really what I wanted, but, you know, ultimately, ultimately I decided I'm, you know, I'm going to man up and stay here with you and, and be the best partner and father that I can. So he told her this and he thought uh, it was going to turn out real good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just sharing my feelings. Just, you know, she told me, she told me I should, I should share my feelings. And right. uh, yeah, it ended up being uh, incredible drama, tears. It, it ended up being a huge thing. And so it's, and it's, uh, the story illustrates this, this good point, which is that often, not always, but often uh, women are going to judge you more harshly for your unacted upon feelings, thoughts, notions, than they will for your behavior. So you, you should not just share your feelings to share your feelings. You should be selective, discerning. You should be honest, be honest as best you can, uh, but be discerning with the feelings that you share because there's a there's, there's a ton of downside and there's often, there's often not that much upside. Mm -hmm. 
So for me, that was a really hard lesson because yeah, you know, tell I me about like your I, experience I, with that. Uh, <laughs> well, well, I was just going to say you know, you grow up with a a. I grew up Christian, right? So this idea of what my I thought I'd be I'd be married by twenty with the woman who I could share anything about myself with, and she would always love me and understand me, and I would feel the same way about her. All this type of stuff. And so when you learn this lesson that well, actually, it's not a good idea, even in the best relationship, to share everything that comes to your mind or everything that you feel it's a little bit of a letdown it's almost like well that means i can't actually have the relationship that i want you know what i mean yeah well you you know people have to understand that in in life in their relationships even in their their primary relationship yeah, like people uh people respond to you in in the way that you bring value, you know? So yeah, you have to think about if your feelings, if you sharing a particular feeling, which it might be a bullshit feeling, you know, like half the thoughts we have are just, uh, are just nonsense. And it's our job to filter those through uh, rationality. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of being like, if, if, you, if you got some strong feelings on something, like, sleep on them, maybe do a bit of journaling on them. Uh, think, you know, yeah, think, think about it a couple of times before you, yeah, before you have unfiltered uh, feelings vomiting out onto the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's good advice. And really, I mean, it just makes sense. Just because you had some, some sense of what it was going to be like when you were a kid and your parents were telling you how your life was going to be and all this type of stuff doesn't mean that that's necessarily how it is going to be or how it even should be. So uh, I kind of want to wrap up this conversation by, again, talking a little bit about the dream that I had as a kid, you know, wanting that. And now at this point, I'm 40 and I, I have to tell a me a little of... bit more about what you wanted. Okay. Well, basically a you know, to, to deeply love and respect. I, I assume you know who Stefan Molyneux is. Uh, you yep. know who he is? Yep. Okay, so he, he's basically talking about love as people don't deserve love just because they exist. Someone is can be loved if they are deserving of love, right? And so I wanted to meet a woman who, who I admired for that reason, right? It's just like, you inspire me, you know, you, you amaze me. And and at the same time, the woman feels the same way about me, right? And so that would be the the ideal situation, you know what I mean? And then kids, kids for me is like, kids was always the thing I thought I would have, but now that I'm 40, it, it sounds more daunting, you know, because it's like, well, now I'll be 65 by the time they're out of the house. And it's just like, it, it becomes a little overwhelming, but but I think that is something I also wanted, right? So, but at this point in my life, I've, I've gone through so many attempts, which I felt like should have worked out and they didn't. And so I've kind of lost, lost a little bit of faith that is possible. And to be honest, you succeeding at this, and I do think you've succeeded and I don't have fear for you about it not working out. You know, I, I feel I, even I have a very high degree of confidence that is going to work out. And I'm so happy about that. And I'm, uh, it brings me joy just to know that that's happening because I know that it's, it's really what the, what should be going on in the world. That should be, that's the most important thing as far as I'm concerned is man and woman come together and 
cre- the creation which spawns from that and the love and all of that 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 that's really the most important thing in life so but so anyways i've been really pessimistic your your example has uh you know uplifted me a little bit but i still because i am older than you i still feel a little bit like uh especially because you know a lot of your advice is you may want to date, try and date someone who doesn't have a lot of experience. This means that you have to focus on someone who's young and at a certain age that becomes a little bit inappropriate. You know what I mean? Well, so you're a biohacker. You anticipate, how long do you anticipate living? Uh, a thousand or so. A thousand. Uh, okay. Okay. If I survive the communist takeover of the world. Yes. Yes. Okay. So think about all the years of the decades of loneliness that you have ahead of you if you don't find a partner. That's true. But then, you know, I tricked myself out of that. So I just read a book by, it's an autobiography of Nikola Tesla, right? And this guy's like the ultimate MGTOW, except not in a negative way. He, he liked women and he thought women were actually he thought women would take over the world. So he's, I think he's a little imbalanced in his mindset there, but basically he used that energy for something else. And you know, there's the idea of it's important to have genetic immortality, but doesn't Tesla have genetic immortality in a way since no, well, if you, how specific do we need to get on our genetics here? I mean, his sisters had plenty of kids and his, his advances in technology improve increase the chances that those genetics right and so you're only a little bit of the way off there and then you can even if that's not even the case you can trick yourself again and i'm using the word trick to make it clear i know that that's what's happening here but i want to hear the justification for okay well humanity has similar genetics to me if i can focus my attention on improving humanity's situation aren't i have enhancing my own genetic immortality in that way sure sure but but you're uh, miles away from pragmatic here is as i'm sure you know well um <laughs> lon- loneliness loneliness is awful uh loneliness is epidemic uh loneliness has all these dramatic costs on us and if you don't get a partner and you should probably aim to do that relatively soon, like don't wait another five years. If you don't get a partner, you're, yeah, you're, you're a healthy guy. You're not going to like leave this world from a heart attack at uh, 59 years old. So you have decades and decades of loneliness um, ahead of you, ahead of you, if you, if you don't get a partner. So yeah, I would urge you to start taking some, some action in that, in that direction. And I would also, I would also suggest to you that this could be, this could be, uh, and this could be an incredible challenge for you to take on as you are 110% committed to this individual, this individual sovereignty thing. Uh, You're 110% committed to rebelling against this sordid satanic world. And so if you can, if, and this is going to present, this is going to pr- present some challenges uh, to you in your dating. But if you can uh, win a woman's heart, mind, and body um, with 
you know, with, with the, the handicap of being, you know, of being such a dissident, it, it's going to be such a special thing. It's going to be, I dare say, uh, I dare say it may be the, the, the crowning achievement of your life. Yeah, I hear you, Jonathan, you know, and I can't, I can't disagree with you at all. So, uh, and honestly, what you're saying there gets me excited, that extra challenge, you know, I kind of do feel a little like, well, this is easy. I just lived outside all winter and, you know, there's, it was snow all over the place and it was easy. So I like the idea of adding the additional challenge without giving up, right? Because that's another big thing about it. It's like, well, then I would have to give up this way that I live, which I really enjoy. And so you're saying, well, add the challenge of li keep living that way and make it work with, you know, of course, compromise may be necessary to some degree, but, but generally do it in a way which is going to be a satisfactory compromise for both people involved. So uh, I thank well, you the, for that. The, I, I think what's important to you is the, is the individual sovereignty. And you, 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 can, you can be a sovereign man without living in a tent. But There's, I also really like the tent, <laughs> to be honest. But yeah, it, it looks, that may get old. I just may need a few more months of that, and then maybe I'll be over it. It, it looks it looks like a sweet tent, but you um, it, that would be a deal breaker for <laughs> for for the kind of women oh, we're man. talking about. For, yeah, for, yeah. For, for for someone quality, for someone quality, yeah. that would be that would be a deal breaker. However, however, there is the there's the homesteading thing man mm -hmm. um yep, and totally. the 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 homesteading thing um is uh that is uh masculinity that is security that is freedom um like just start thinking about this just give this some thought give this some sleep you're a smart guy so i'm sure you'll come up with i, I i'm sure the gears in your head will will start to deliver up to you some sort of solution on this but yeah, there are ways to maintain your individual, your individual sovereignty, but also present yourself as a good potential protector. Right. Yeah. I mean, even if there was a woman who wanted to come live underneath a tent uh, once kids were involved, you know, it, it's like, well, that's not even a good idea. Right. It's like you, you got to protect your children more than that and give them a uh, more substantial foundation for their lives. So, yeah, I totally see that. So is there, yeah, go ahead. There was one other theme of the book I wanted to touch on quickly. Sure. So there's probably a lot of single guys out there that have thought about doing the uh, international dating, uh, going abroad and trying to maybe meet a, a foreign wife. And that's what I did. And I think it was like one of the best decisions in my life. Um, so in my book, I have a chapter devoted specifically to this because there's, okay, so, th so there's a bunch of different stereotypes uh, about like about foreign women, about Eastern European women or South American women or uh, Thai women or Filipinas or, or, or whichever. Um, some of the stereotypes, some of the stereotypes are correct. But there is, I spent a lot of time, I spent, uh, geez, five years, five years as a digital nomad. And there are a number of, uh, of, of risks 
and downsize. And there is just a, a boulevard of broken dreams stretching behind these men that go uh, typically, you know, Western men, like American guys, English guys, Australian guys, German guys, who uh, are fleeing the feminism of their countries and trying to, you know, find asylum with uh, more feminine women in some of the countries in the world that haven't been so uh, wrecked by liberalism. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's a boulevard of broken dreams behind these guys because there's so many, so many pitfalls uh, so many scams, so many um, easy to make mistakes, even with very decent, even with very decent women. Uh, I made some of them myself, um, but fortunately she was very forgiving at strategic points. So I, so I, um, I do kind of, I do kind of encourage this to, to men because I, um, yeah, I feel like in a lot of the quote unquote first world countries, um, things have just gotten so bad that I think that men need to consider um, casting their gaze abroad. And mm -hmm. I have, a, yeah, I have a chapter where I break that all down really meticulously so that um, guys can do that and do that, uh, do that productively, actually make some, some progress with it. And actually, maybe what we can do is link below this uh, podcast. I did, I did, an, I actually did a podcast discussion with my wife of this whole chapter, getting like, you know, because <laughs> the woman's opinion matters some too, you know, she's 50% of this thing. So yeah, me and her did actually a real detailed podcast um, that'll, yeah, that I think will probably save some guys that are maybe thinking, like some guys that are like, well, maybe I should go to, you know, Thailand for a week and I could meet someone like, please, before you buy that plane ticket, listen to this podcast and then at least read that chapter of don't stick your dick in, uh, in a, in a blender. Cause yeah, there's, um, as many great redeeming features as women in some other more traditional, more conservative cultures have, there's also just, there's a ton of ways to get scammed and, uh, waste your money, waste your time, uh, get robbed. There's, there's, uh, yeah, uh, guys need to soberly approach that also. And I think what I've organized in research could help. Nice. Yeah. It definitely seems like the, the pickings for quality virtuous women around here right now is not so good. And it seems, you know, because other countries have, are in a different stage of their, their ups and downs in return in, in, in regards to how they you know, have gone through communism and stuff like that, you know, where you are, they're kind of on the other side. Right. And we're just now going into the, the terror yeah. the horror of communism. And so maybe in 20 years from now, we'll have a larger number of women who are, uh, who know what's actually important. Um, but that's not currently the, the a good option. So, and I, I actually have done some overseas dating, but uh, mine was not, yeah. Anyways, I don't want to go into that as a long story, but it didn't turn out. It didn't turn out very good. So I've also seen the the downsides of that situation. So, but, but you... let's let's at the same time let's not be let's not be totally pessimistic on like uh, American women living in right. Toledo. Like yeah, I still not... I still think I'm there's some potential. I, I I still think there's 
I, I still think there's potential reason for uh, optimism there because of the there's there's so much uh, there's so much that is imposed right now on the Western first world countries that you're getting like there's probably more uh, quote unquote red pilled women in America now than there were four years ago because there's been so much uh, insanity imposed that I think like yeah there's there's a certain amount that are just gonna that are just gonna keep going down the road to ruin. But I think there's probably as they as they squeeze harder, as they squeeze harder, there's going to be like more and more people are going to start kind of like breaking free mentally. Yep. So I also yeah, I also I don't think that people have to go to, you know, some little village in Croatia to find a nice young lady. I think that if you like go out there and do some day game in front of your library, um, there in Toledo, like you, you might be surprised. Mm -hmm. Cool. So how long have you been married now? Oh, uh, four years. You've been married for four years? Yep. Wow, I didn't realize it'd been so long. Yeah, so, it's, gone, it's gone fast. I've been so, it's been so happy, happiest time of my life. So, yeah, so that's what I, that's what I want to hear and kind of want to end this on like tell people a lot of people think of marriage now as sort of like, well, it's good. And especially at the beginning, it's good. But then it kind of trails off. You know, sex starts to get boring, I think, is really the, the critical element there. So tell us, tell us, how's it going four years in? God, we have such great sex now. Mm -hmm. Isn't that right, babe? Mm -hmm. Say yes. Say yes louder. <laughs> yes. Okay. 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 <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, yeah. The okay, so in our previous podcast, we talked about the biohacking stuff, about the about the health stuff, and the truth is that when you when when you take the health stuff really seriously, and you're constantly looking for new ways to take your discipline to the next level with with health stuff, a, a lot of other things in your life just fall into place, and. Mm -hmm. And 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 work out. Mm -hmm. So I, I credit that. I think that's I think that's one of the yeah one of the major reasons why we still have our flame you know billowing and you know hotter than hotter than hotter than ever. Um, yep. so, so you're saying that the dream that really all men hide in their hearts. Well, not maybe not all hide it, but I think that most men have kind of given up on this. You're you're saying that it's actually possible. And that it's worth it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 worth it because uh, yeah. Otherwise you face otherwise you face decades decades of loneliness. Mm. Uh, you you face you face decades of loneliness. Uh, mm. So well, com so compared with compared with the alternative, it's um it's it's absolutely worth it. And if you if you utilize um if 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 you utilize the tools that are available to you, you know, the kind of stuff we talked about in our previous podcast, the kind of stuff that's, that's in, that's, that's in my book, um, things, yeah, things work out in the long term. Um, nice. Good to hear. So if people want to get your book or learn more about you, where should they go? 
okay, my website is limitlessmindset.com. And then I also have a channel over there on Odyssey LBR. Why? Where I've got some more, I've got uh, some videos and podcasts, like the supplementary educational material for the book. So people might want to give a listen to those first to see if it's the kind of thing that appeals to them. And then the book I have for sale on my website, I'll send the link over to you so you can put it below this. And the book is $8.99. The book is banned from Amazon. You know, if you tell too much truth, you're going to get banned from Amazon. And so I sell it on my website. People can buy it there with uh, PayPal and cryptocurrency now, over 80 cryptocurrencies. And that includes the audio, but the 18 hour audio book that you listen to. Yep. Yeah. And it was really good. So, and also you have a, I think you just started a store recently, right? On your website. Yeah. Like for yep. supplements and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Store.limitlessmindset.com. So I'm going to add my books in there along with all of the anti-aging and nootropics and all of that good stuff that people can find. Nice. And I would say, you know, I've been following you for years and um, you're obviously, you're very focused on making sure you're getting supplements which work and uh, are also, and this is at least as important, you know, actually safe, right? Because it's very easy to get products which are tainted with lead or, or whatever, or aren't even what they say they are. So uh, if I know personally, like if I were to go onto your store and buy something that I don't even really need to look into it too much myself because I know you already have, and I trust that you would make the right call there. So I I definitely recommend people recommend the store. Um, It is crypto only, right? Why do you have to do that? Because I'm trying to fight the system, man. Yeah. I was so happy when I read that. I'm like, yeah, that's so awesome. Like it's, it's gonna, it's gonna hold you back a little bit, but ultimately you know, it's kind of like a slingshot. It's going to hold you back a little bit. And then it's, you're going to go flinging, you know, as the world accepts this new way of paying for things. So I think that's, that's really right. cool, man. That's right. Although I, I do accept PayPal for the books. So. Well, yeah, but that's, that's, that's different from the store, technically. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's what I tell myself. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Jonathan. It's great talking with you. I really enjoyed your book and I highly recommend other people check it, check it out. Okay. Thanks, bro. Talk to you later. Look forward to a continued conversation. Sounds good. Me too. Thanks for watching. If you'd like to see more content like this, head on over to moderndaywizards.org. And if you're wondering, how can you be a wizard? Well, all you got to do is seek truth and share it.